Hello and welcome to episode 150 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I'm Anthony Malakian and I'm joined by James Rundle. Hello. And so it's a new year, 2019, and that means that we have to have our good friend on, Bill Murphy, Chief Technology Officer at Blackstone Group. Bill? Good to be back, guys. So you are our champion, our long-running four-time uh, guest on the podcast. You have multiple guests, but you, you've been on the most. So uh, we do appreciate you coming in and chatting with us about technology. These are always popular. So thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, happy to do it. I have to defend my crown, you know. Exactly, make sure exactly. I stay ahead can't, of the can't have anybody sneaking <laughs> up behind you. I mean, <laughs> so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to look at cloud and cloud migration um, some of the lessons learned as you guys have gone down this path and some of your portfolio companies have gone down this path. And, you know, hopefully this will be informative for people that are starting to uh, are kind of midway through a journey or partial way there. So you were at uh, speaking at Waters USA earlier this year. And we during your panel, we asked the audience and we said, all right, where are you on your cloud migration path? Uh, zero to 25%, 25 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100%. 70% of the audience, several hundred people in the audience, uh, they said that they w- were only zero to 25% of the way there. So I guess to start off with, tell the audience a little bit about where you, w- what set you down this path and where you kind of feel that you are on this uh, journey right now. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's a fun topic to talk about because there's so many variations and so many topics to explore in terms of cloud migration. Um, I'd say we're probably only in like the 25 to 50 camp, but I think we've learned a lot of lessons along that way. And and hopefully we're on a, a, a path to do cloud migration in the right way that leaves us in a way more nimble um, state after we're done. Because that's really the, the, the driver for Blackstone is not about, oh, I just want to move some cost from one, from having a data center to not having a data center and so on. It's about the agility that the cloud is going to provide by enabling our developers to be that much quicker with solutions to take advantage of all the uh, innovation that Amazon, Microsoft, and others are, Google and others are, are, uh, are driving with those types of products. And ultimately, you know, years from now, we're going to, we, we think we will be happy that we did because we'll have moved our technology solutions that much quicker in the out years once we get fully transitioned to the cloud. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that uh, we took all of our CIOs from our portfolio companies to, to visit Amazon, Microsoft, and Google back to back to back um, uh, about six months ago. And it was a marked difference in the uh, general tone of the CIOs, where I'd say two or three years before that, the public cloud was an interest of everybody, but not viewed as an inevitability, or at least not like a near-term inevitability. And this time, and and certainly I'd say for all of my peers that I speak to, it's definitely viewed as inevitability, um, and it's moving into a short-term priority for almost all um, of uh, you know, folks sitting in the in a similar seat. Sure. So, so I guess maybe because, and I think it's consistent with what we've seen at conferences and stuff like that, where several two three years ago, it wasn't necessarily that there were there were still some holdovers that would say, no, we're not going to go public cloud. We're not going to go down this path. It's not for us. It's not right for us. Everybody does kind of view that cloud is the way forward even if they're not very far in that journey. They do recognize, is that a fair assessment to say that that they see that this is an, 
that this is the way forward and so they're trying to get on that path right now? Or do you think there's still a large amount of holdouts that still exist in the capital market space? Well, I think that there... I think there's very few holdouts where if you said, in 10 years, will you be on the public cloud, I'd say almost 100% of people would say yes. Yeah. And whether whether they're thinking they're going to get there in eight years or, or six months is where the differential is. Um, also, the public cloud is not one thing. Uh, and there's a lot of different strategies to it. Some people are doing a public cloud hosted private cloud that create almost as much separation as they currently have in their data centers. Other people are doing multi-cloud strategies. And um, I think that the, the general comfort with the security of the public cloud has, uh, has been something that happened recently based upon the fact that people are just, you know, fed up with dealing with the cybersecurity uh, landscape. And the, the public cloud vendors have to deal with it because it's their business. So um, it's not that it, it's easy for them. It's just that they can focus on it um, as much as anybody. So um, by layering your, in your own defenses on top of the public cloud defenses, I think you can get to a very, very good cybersecurity posture. And that's what um, was holding people back a few years ago, in addition to the fact that when we were at Amazon, they quoted that they had ra- they had lowered prices something like 85 times sure. um, in the past four years. And so now the price differential of having your own uh, is not so in favor of hosting yourself. And we're going to definitely get into costs and some of the reasons between picking the cloud. But I guess that an important piece, I think, is the security question that sometimes like when I hear people bring it up at a conference, like, well, aren't you worried about hackers and stuff like that? The defense is that a Google, Amazon, Microsoft, that they have, that the amount of money, the investment that they're putting into this, and we haven't seen that I'm aware of, I could be wrong about this, but that we haven't seen any sort of great hack or anything like that through one of those. Uh, yeah, into I, a, I think you're probably wrong on that. I think the... Uh, How dare there's you? There's a... <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm here to tell the truth. The uh, There's been penetrations to uh, environments in those uh, in those groups, not to their infrastructure that I, you know, that I think is worth talking about, but... Um, an important thing to realize is you can do the cloud wrong. Um, it's not like, oh, you just suddenly press one button and you're in the cloud. You can misconfigure the cloud uh, instances and create massive vulnerabilities. So you need to have proper governance when you move there and and be worried about security just as much as if it was in your own private data center. Hopefully it'll just be a little easier because some of the tooling is built in for you instead of is having that something to bring... That you have to build, is that something you have to work on yourself or is that when you see right, those vulnerabilities secu- is that kind of created internally rather well, than our, through the cloud yeah i mean it's 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 sort of like it's just a workshop and you can use tools wrong mm-hmm. um in a workshop you know you could use a saw to make a beautiful piece of furniture or you could cut your arm off right <laughs> like so you have to be careful with how you're doing it the uh there are a whole host of new security tools that are monitoring your cloud settings and doing a whole variety of, of you know, cloud-specific security tasks. So as we've been moving and planning our full move to the cloud, we've been getting trying to get smart on all that security uh, stack because it is a different way of thinking, and you have to put those uh, additional layers in place. You can't just do it the same way you would do it if you were um, on-prem. I mean, just for a final question, I guess, on uh, cloud adoption, going back to 2012, when I first started sort of covering this space, 
there were a lot of kind of homegrown efforts to bring people into this. So you had Nisey with its uh, Capital Markets Community platform. You had Nasdaq with FinCloud. Both those kind of fizzled out. Then over the next few years, you had Amazon come into the fore, Microsoft Azure, Google, everything else. Right. I guess my question is, like, a lot of public confidence, and I say public in the sense of the industry, um, has been built on the security of these platforms and on the stability of these platforms. Um, so if there was to be, say, a root hack of Amazon's core systems or Google's core systems or someone else, do you think that would damage confidence to an extent? I mean, I know you have to layer in your own security and stability on top of it, but if those guys were taken down for an extended period of time, for instance, something else, would that damage the overall perception of cloud, do you think? You know, I think uh, as these platforms are more and more mission critical for this for the nation yep. overall, every industry, financial services uh, obviously being a very important one, it's absolutely a bigger and bigger target. And uh, regardless of whether it was because of a security violation or just a mistake, you know, when Amazon or Microsoft or Google goes down now for any period of time, it affects a lot of people. Sure. Uh, whereas, you know, if, if our data center is offline for a period of time because one of my team made a mistake, it, obviously the effects of that are limited to one company, right? So, um, so it certainly kind of targets the risk um, or it, it spreads the risk out, and uh, but it also uh, it so it targets the response. Though yeah. I would say, like when when something major happens, and they're also not a single data center doing AWS or Google or uh, or Microsoft. They all have distributed networks of many data centers, and those are in different availability zones. So it's usually not everything um, when they do have an outage. It's not uh, all of AWS or all of uh, Microsoft. So. Um, there's more consolidated risk. Um, there's also a higher consolidated response because their business is basically on hold until that's fixed. Sure. So, you know, I don't know how to think about it. I, I, I do think it's a, it's a risk judgment call. Um, yeah. And it really depends upon your business that you're hosting there. Um, and can you, you know, what, what can you afford? And how do you believe, you know, what tools are at your disposal to make sure that that an outage is handled. I mean, if you really want to architect for 100%, um, you could do multi-cloud, multi-network, multi-provider, everything active all the time. There's a significant cost to architecting a system like that. Um, so most people don't do that. Um, but that possibility is there even using uh, the cloud, the existing cloud providers as building blocks. But you think that um, the interest in, in cloud technology and, and the kind of the acceptance of it, I guess, is not necessarily intrinsic to these providers it's just a general acceptance that this is necessarily the way forward i mean is that yeah you know the interesting and this might be a little bit of a uh, you know uh, provocative or um or otherwise but the war for talent in technology is so real and the the desire of the talent to work on the latest cloud technologies is going to actually drive adoption faster than some of these other points yeah. where you know if you hold back and say well we're not going to do that we're happy with our old technology your staff is over time going to opt out of working at your company because there's so many opportunities in technology that why what you know why are they going to sit around for years on end uh, working on something that's not applicable into the future. So it'll be an impetus for every company uh, to adopt new tools as much for kind of making sure that they have the talent they need to continue to innovate um, as much as anything. Sure. Let me ask you this then. How much of it revolves around... So price is obviously going to be an important factor in any, any decisions that are made. But it would seem to me that in the cloud space that 
price pressures, the, 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 the costs are coming down and down and down each year for, for all the providers to some extent. Well, I think it's really great that Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are, are all doing great work. And I, and I don't have a bad word to say about any of the three of them. Um, and we have our portfolio companies. Some are, we have people using all three of those clouds and, and you know, for good reason. So the fact that- Do you that, guys use all three or um, we, just- Yeah, well, actually, we are using pieces of all three for different um, purposes. Um, and that's a great situation for every company in, in the world, really, to have three uh, big companies with all the resources to throw at these problems because they're forcing each other to innovate and to drop price. So it's creating um, really, really positive market dynamics versus if you only had Amazon, for instance, as the first yeah. to market, yeah. um, uh, you know, perhaps they would continue at this pace, but um, the competitive pres- pressure is, uh, is even a better check on them. So let's take away costs just for a second. Let's look at it from an innovation perspective. As you look about a migration and moving your your infrastructure over to the cloud, what are some of the the major factors that come into play as you make that decision as far as innovation, as far as new features that are being rolled out? How does that play into it beyond just the cost? Right. Well, first of all, I would say that it's never been uh, – it's never been harder to stay abreast of everything that's happening um, as it relates to uh, to the technology world. So, as a CIO or CTO, the uh, I think the job is more complicated and and harder than it's ever been because AWS, Google, Microsoft, they're each releasing probably almost a thousand new features a year. Mm-hmm. Just reading a thousand the details of a thousand new features a year is a challenge, right? Yeah. So, um, so one that's like. That's a ch- I don't know the great answer. We actually invested in a, a, a cloud consulting firm, uh, CloudReach, because uh, hopefully sure. they can help give those answers to people. But like the there's a there's a dearth of, of that expertise in the market. So staying up and up on everything that they're doing innovation wise is a challenge, and you're probably going to leave some innovations, uh, you know, on the floor with, that you could have picked up just because of awareness. Yeah. So. Um, if anybody has great awareness strategies, we're all ears because we'd love to make sure that we're taking advantage of of, uh, of the latest. Now, and then moving to the cloud, I think that there's like uh, there's two different strategies, and everybody's going to do some compilation of of both of these. But um, we're trying to do it thoughtfully, where there's like the lift and shift, where you just pick everything up, and in essentially the same format, you run it in the cloud, virtual machines or otherwise, and and, and, you know, you say you're in the cloud and you celebrate, right? But, um, and there's a few things that we're going to do that for because of legacy reasons, but most of the time what we're trying to do is take a thoughtful approach and take advantage of those new capabilities while we're moving the code. Um, however, that makes the migration much longer. Um, but I would recommend that unless there's a clear value impetus to get there faster. Like if you have an incredibly expensive data center or, um, or otherwise, take your time and, uh, you know, unless you have that, take your time, do it right, and, like, and spend the time to take advantage of everything that Amazon and Microsoft or Google are creating. Okay. So in terms of your migration plan, um, what are your specific objectives? I mean, I've been covering a few... Uh, bank-based ones, for instance, recently. Bank of America, for instance, has uh, 
Project Greenfield where they'll migrate 80% of their operating systems to the cloud by 2019. Do you guys have a similar goal or is that... Uh, you know, we have like, a, I would say, probably a, a three-year roadmap to get everything, um, but that's not a hard and fast goal. And if we, if we ended up... The biggest goal for us is how can we make our technology team more effective in delivering more value-added uh, tooling, solutions, however you want to put it, for our company. Um, and and uh, so it's just all about like creating velocity in our technology development. And if we moved, if we wound up moving 80% and that was the right number and yeah. that would be okay. And if, if it's 100% as fast as possible because that's the way to get velocity up, it doesn't really matter. It's about maximizing business value that any of this stuff is going to generate. And we think the right way is Continue, is, is build it in such a way that takes advantage of tooling, DevOps, uh, script everything, everything as code, just ways to make releases easier, delivery of new features easier, delivery of new solutions easier, patching, upgrades, all of that stuff. The, the, the more that can be push button, the faster we can go as a technology team, which can make all of my, uh, you know, my team at Blackstone um, inside technology and outside technology who are getting the benefits of all the innovations happier. So are you, are you taking that approach for, for new stuff you're doing? Are you architecting for a cloud sort of first cloud native um, basis moving forward? Or are you taking it more of an ad hoc basis as to if that fits in the cloud, we'll do it in the cloud. If not, then we won't. Yeah, I think so. for for new stuff, we're clearly saying cloud first. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, most of our stuff is building on foundational pieces that we currently have. Yep. So it's about how do we move each of those foundational pieces more than a ton of new projects that we're standing up directly sure. in the cloud. If we were doing the latter, it would be easier. And that's why I think the startups were the first ones to, to be cloud because they had nothing to move, right? So yeah. um, making that decision upfront for all the new things is, is actually way easier than migrating a lot of the problems of the past. We've talked about technical down on these in the, in the past, but um, you know, moving the cloud is a great way to pay off debt, but it's not as easy as starting from Greenfield. Yeah. Let me ask you this. As you've gone about this, so on a higher level we've been talking about here, but what were some of the lessons learned as you've gone about? There is, there is a right way to move to a cloud, and then there, I'm sure there had to have been lessons learned, mistakes that were made. Can you talk a little bit about where you kind of maybe either moved too fast or didn't move fast enough or just that there wasn't enough structure involved. What were some of those kind of mistakes that you think that are important for firms to keep in mind as they are endeavoring down their own cloud migration path? Right. Well, I'd say we're probably a little bit too, we're not, we're not far enough along. I'd say, uh, look for, look to find the right talent would be my, what I could have done better, faster. Um, what do you mean by that? We, uh, you know, you need people who have done this before. Um, and we've hired uh, a few, plus we've used some outside, outside uh, external advisors to help us get up that, that curve. Um, but, you know, doing everything from scratch, uh, trial and error, um, using, you know, online resources uh, may seem like a good idea, but it costs you. Uh, so if I, if I could do it all over again, I would go faster bringing in experts um, mm -hmm. to help my team get up the learning curve. I think we're getting there, um, and and certainly we're. Uh, I think we're in a good spot now. But the uh, if we had brought in the experts sooner, we probably could have made more progress. So I'd say that's the the number one thing is don't assume you can do it um, yourself because you probably can. It's just going to take you way longer to learn it yourself yeah. than if somebody is teaching you who's been there before. Is there a skill set that you found that maybe was 
maybe not missing, but that, that you find that is quite valuable as you've gone about this, either hiring or, or bringing in consultants and stuff like that? I think culturally it's the same stuff that we look for in any person, like pro- problem solver, uh, curious, work hard, uh, all of that. Um, and then the reason that the expertise, I think, is a little bit more important here than maybe in some other stuff is just the breadth of the Amazon offering and the Microsoft and Google offer. Like, there's just so much to know. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult one to, to go in cold and learn. Um, I find myself struggling personally, feeling a little bit behind the eight ball technically and trying to figure out how I could possibly, um, you know, stay up to speed on some of this stuff and... Uh, so, so my, uh, so my team doesn't uh, make fun of me for not uh, for not knowing the technical details. Fair enough. I mean, I find the point about um, you made about bringing in the experts earlier interesting because you guys didn't just use consultancy for this, right? You actually bought a consultancy, or, or you invested. Well, in no, we, yeah, that, we just invested in one of our yeah. funds uh, uh, in this company because we felt like you know we were going through some of the early pains of this, and we understood what uh, you know we thought it was the right move from a, a strategic standpoint that where the world was going this way and also realized how hard it was to find these people uh, in the world. So we think it's going to be a great investment. Its name's CloudReach, but the, uh, they're, uh, they've been a great partner for us and for other ones of our portfolio companies because everyone is struggling with this same, like, wow, my, my team is not fully able to do this. And, you know, it'd be strange to expect that they would if they'd been doing it a certain way, uh, if they've been playing basketball for the last... 10 years and you're like, well, now you have to play rugby. Like they're athletic. I guess they'll figure it out. But, you know, there's a different set of skills yeah. in playing that. So, you, you know, it's better to have somebody to teach them how to play the new game. Sure. The other thing, you know, that me and you, have, we talked a little bit about is some people come at cloud and they, they see cloud as the destination. But one of the things that I think that you're big on is cloud and good governance. That's the destination. That that's kind of the challenge to build that in. Can you talk a little bit about building in that kind of that data governance so that the, the tech sprawl doesn't become too wide, that there's a focus and that there's a purpose to everything that's being done along the way? Right. I think that there's, uh, I, it's the same lessons as building your own. The only thing that that cloud does is it makes it easier to mess it up and go too fast uh, because, you know, similar to how, you know, sometimes vendors come in and they sell directly to the you know, to the front office person and then, you know, and, and don't want to involve technology. And then at the end of the day, if you do that too much, you wind up with an amalgamation of, of solutions that don't talk to each other and sometimes don't, yeah. don't uh, most of the time, I think, don't, don't deliver the value. Same is true for cloud. It's just that the customers now are your developers. The developers want to go a million miles an hour and really don't want to hear, well, we got to do we got to put the governance in place. Yeah. Um, so you can get into the same style of a, of a problem that you would have, uh, you know, in the past with, with many different vendor products, but it's like literally like press one button or put your credit card in. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the cloud vendors are always like, oh, you know, they come into our companies and they're, they're like, well, you're already using a ton of this because, you know, Joe down the hall put his credit card in and bought, <laughs> you know, bought an Amazon thing. So uh, making sure that you have governance over everything that's happening is like a great starting point before you like unleash the hounds and, and let, them, uh, let them start running uh, unencumbered. I guess... As in Blackstone is one of the large private equity firms in the world, that this is also, a, a, you guys come at it from an interesting perspective compared to some others, I guess. Is this a good thing that so many fintech companies are entering in a space and so easily, 
they're they're all using AWS now, GCP, you know, Azure, something. They have that cloud back end. Does that make interacting with the fintech startups? Obviously, there is you, you have to be focused and you have to uh, prevent against the sprawl. But does that make an integration easier, or are there new challenges that are added because of that? I don't think it necessarily like. Once again, you could do bad things with the cl- yeah. <laughs> just like you could do bad things technically with with uh, legacy technology. What it does do is um, the basic tenets of the modern architecture, microservices, APIs, so on, um, lend themselves to uh, to being developed. When you when you're developing now, you're developing that way. So you're sort of starting from a better place mm-hmm. as a, a fintech startup now than you would have ten or fifteen, twenty years ago. Uh, so you get that. Uh, almost just for free because that's the right way to do it in 2019. Um, the the cloud just makes it easier. It's not uh, it's not the only reason. Uh, okay. It's easier. And then one of the other things I'd be interested in is as far as as some of these other new technology, not new technology, but AI, machine learning, containerization, Kubernetes, things like right. that. How do you kind of incorporate that into the cloud strategy? Is that is that so, is that a major differentiator? Well, I mean, containerization I think is a piece of what I talked about earlier about rearchitecting how your code is run in the cloud in order to take advantage of all the benefits of it. So, um, so we're in the process of figuring out what we want to containerize versus what we want to run a little bit more traditionally versus what we want to go to serverless computing, which is you know. Uh, kind of uh, the next generation of containers, even even lighter, where you don't worry about anything except the code. So it's about figuring out how you can take advantage of all of those. Then in terms of machine learning and artificial intelligence and that sort of thing, those are, those are more kind of higher order uh, tools that you can take advantage of. Um, the interesting piece about cloud for those is that cloud enables machine learning and data analysis that was just wasn't possible. Um, at certain scales before. Uh, so the cloud is a huge enabler of those use cases uh, versus um, versus a building block, I'd say. Okay. And then last one for me, um, as you've gone about this, what do you, th- how do you start? Like when, when you, when you go about this, what gets migrated first? What are kind of those, where, where do you kind of start with this kind of conversation at a board level, I guess, before you kind of really go down this path? I think everybody wants to believe it's cheap and easy. Um, so the first thing that I would do is refute that um, and, and say, uh, you can do some proof of concepts to learn, but don't, uh, don't let the proof of concept become the end state. Um, that's the biggest risk that I see all over the place because people can get enamored with the quick win. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so do some proof of concepts in order to uh, to take a first step, to learn, to get your staff, uh, you know, uh, familiar, and then go back and say, okay, how am I going to govern? How am I going to get there with my broader environment? How am I going to govern and really have a strategic approach? Um, and if you can afford to, uh, go the slow, uh, methodical, 
basically, you could put a house up in in a, in a weekend if you really needed to. Yeah. If but it'd probably be bad quality. If you take your time and you you do it right and you wire for the future and you put the proper insulation, you could probably live there forever. Um, so we're trying to take that approach. Um, I feel I feel lucky that we have uh, the breathing room in our technology team to make sure we're taking that long term approach. Uh, but and I know and I recognize that that not everybody has the luxury of doing that. But if you can, I would highly stress like uh, lay it out and uh, methodically move to the cloud in a way where five years from now you're not replatforming the cloud that you just got to. It reminds me of a story when I was a senior in uh, college, which took me seven and a half years to become a senior in college. <laughs> but uh, as I was going through, my father before my senior year said, Anthony. You've done well, okay? But <laughs> just think about this. He, he tells me a story about this old Italian house builder and Luigi. And he just, he, he made a name for himself. And he would meticulously build these beautiful, beautiful houses. And then he decides, I'm going to retire. And, you know, they, they, they were, he's like, they're like, listen, just build this one last house. We appreciate it. Just build this one last house. And Luigi he decides to cut a couple corners on this last house that he's going to build because he's like, ah, you know, I built hundreds and hundreds of houses. Finishes it off, and the guy who commissioned it says, Luigi, you've done such a great job for us. This is your house. It's all paid for. <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. <laughs> so it's a little bit like that. It's, it's the make sure that there is a long-term objective, make sure that there's a plan in place, and if you cut corners early, then it's probably going to cost you later. Is that a fair enough encapsulation? I, I think that's a, that, that, yes, that's true. And the one cool part about this is that, you know, speaking to that analogy is developers are uh, taking more and more ownership over the infrastructure as well with the cloud migration, which sort of is like living in your own house that you built. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that there's a better alignment of incentives to make sure that the code and the and the infrastructure that runs it and how that's orchestrated and everything is like is done well because the people who are uh, are doing that are all w usually one person or one team and they're going to be responsible for if it goes down. So I'm excited about that uh, alignment of interest because that means I'll get better quality out of my team. Before uh, we, we, we have a little fun topic, uh, New Year's resolutions to talk about. Before we get to that, just really quickly, um, one of the big uh, in a year of major, major mergers and acquisitions, one of the big ones was obviously uh, Blackstone in, uh, acquiring the financial and risk uh, department of Thomson Reuters, now renamed Refinitiv. Can you give us any kind of update as far as you know plans going forward or just how that kind of migration and that investment is going for you guys? Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm not in the day to day on it, so uh, you know, I'm not going to break any news here. But you know, we're certainly. It was a big deal Damn that it. we're really. Yeah, it's a big deal that we're really excited about, and uh, the teams uh, are working hard to uh, to make it super successful. And obviously, we wouldn't have made such a, a large investment if we didn't really believe in in everything about the company and the market and the market opportunity. So we couldn't be uh, more excited um, and. Uh, Hopefully, there'll be exciting things to announce in the future. All right. Well, hopefully, you tell us first about it. Um, and <laughs> the, the other thing is, Bill, you've always kind of been a life coach for me. I mean, some of your recommendations <laughs> on clothing, stuff like that, has always <laughs> been very valuable. So New Year's resolutions, I think, is, you know, it's first episode back in the new year here. 
you start first, I think. And, oh, uh, all right. Um, I uh, well, I think everybody in January decides how they're going to lose the the five or ten pounds that they put in on in December. Sure. So um, yeah, right or fifty, <laughs> uh, depending upon who. Uh, you must have had a really good December. Uh, the uh, so we'll start with that. You know, trying to eat healthier. Uh, you know, drink less and, and all of that. Um, can I can I ask something? Because there's somebody who is in. You look like you're in great shape and everything like that. How do you kind of hold yourself to that? Is, is do you have any advice for people that every single year I I am every year go January first comes I'm like I'm gonna go to the gym I'm gonna drop ten pounds I'm gonna oh, you know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna drink less. And right, you're gonna, you're gonna, this 20th, is gonna make it know? seem like it was a setup and it was not the uh, no I uh, I've been doing I've ran in college so I, I've I've been running you know every pretty much every day or working out every day for like 30 years so mm-hmm. maybe it's just like in green grain now but one thing that I do do is I I make myself write it down um and uh however you want to do it a book or a, a, a email or whatever and I do find that that is uh at the end of the year when you have to tally up how many days you worked out versus how you didn't it's uh it, you know, it's incredibly effective. Also, like, tell everybody you're going to do it because there's some social... Um, do you think the social media way is, is... Is that a good thing to well, kind I don't of know. I don't know. It or, depends on what you value. I would say I try to tell around people around me who I who I like yeah. who are going to make fun of me if I... Uh, if I don't do it, I guess. Uh, so I there's some... Who posted their kind of, you, know, you can post those run routes on Facebook and stuff right. like that, and they've literally said to me, I can't stop doing it now because it's too embarrassing not to. Right, I'm exactly. So I think that there's a lot of like ways we can trick ourselves yeah. to... Uh, I've read a bunch of stuff around like behavioral uh, psychology around like sometimes we're not uh, completely rational in our um, in our thinking. So sure. I'd say uh, try a bunch of those tricks and, you know, hopefully one or two of them will work. Um, you know, I, I do think my other resolution is definitely to read more books. I think that it's easy. Last year, um, actually, it's been my resolution for a few years, and I continue to read a little bit more each year, which I'm very happy about, because I've, I wind up I find that it's just so much more effective than just reading articles all the time. Um, and we can get like... No, you should still course, subscribe waters, to Waters uh, Technology. technology accepted. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, reading books where you can really dive into a topic for uh, fully um, has made a... It's- Fiction, nonfiction. Does I'm that almost completely you? nonfiction, yeah. but um, my wife is uh, is probably the opposite. So um, I don't necessarily know if it if it matters, but um, it's really helped me. Uh, like I, I've been excited about it the last few years, and uh, I just find like I retain a lot more. If you ask me, all the articles I read from the last two years versus all the books and what were the lessons were the books, I always remember the books, but I never remember the the, yeah. the articles. So, you know, throw out the newspaper maybe and, and start the longer form um, stuff would be, uh, that's what I'm trying to stick to. You don't to have to throw to. out the newspaper, but, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not printing anything here, so you know, <laughs> newspaper-wise, so you're good. What are your, what are your resolutions here, guys? Well, for me, a big one is so... Obviously, for me, it's it's very much I have to do at least 100 push-ups a day. Um, that is, and I've been on that kick for a while now because are you back, doing it? Yeah, uh, right. that's like something that like when I was a kid growing up, my father Marine, like yeah. when me and my brother would be sitting there watching every time a commercial break come up, do some push-ups. So we just do push-ups. 50, 50 and fifty, a hundred at a time. What do you do? Uh, it would be 50, well, 50, 50, and then you just keep on going up no, until I'm saying, what are you, How many do you so do So right today? now, I've, I've restarted now doing 25, 25, 25, 25. Okay, four sets. Getting me up to 100, and 
trying to also cut down on the amount of time in between the 25, you know? Oh, okay. Because, you know, you can do 25 and then you can wait 25 minutes and that's really not quite doing the the work of it, right? All right, well, when we're done with the podcast, we got to get 25 in. All right, All right. Uh, there you go. Push-ups, I'm very, very good with. Sit-ups <laughs> sit ups and pull-ups, definitely not. For me, I've decided that, because I've been thinking about this, Bill. This is something that, that like, I really, really thought about, because, like, New Year's resolutions are such bull and everything like that. For me, it's um, a, a spirit. So I don't necessarily believe in organized religion, but a spirituality, which I've always had, but finding that again where... I'm taking my phone, I'm putting it away. I'm taking my computer, I'm taking online stuff, things that take me out of a moment and just at least for an hour a day, one hour, that's all I need is to find just, you can call it a spirituality, you can call it whatever it is, but it's just, it's a break from technology, I guess. And for me, that I think is going to, yield other benefits that i might find yeah that's great i think that that it's sort of the same thing as the book stuff a little bit sure. because it's like it makes you think more deeply and i do love to listen to audible and yeah, online yeah, books totally. but i'm like hey, no, yeah but that's yeah. cool too yeah. i i do think that like that that's a great one i would recommend uh i do some like morning journaling where you just take a blank piece of paper every day and you just kind of like free association and it's amazing how it helps you clear your mind and get you out of the notification trap so that's a great one i like that you're a writer bill that's good. you know there you go yeah, exactly James? Uh, not quite as deep as reading books or <laughs> joining a Lutheran cult as Tony seems to be wanting to do. Yeah. But, uh, no, my... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to nail in my 100 uh, reasons. Uh, well, you already wrote your, your stuff yeah. by hand anyway. But uh, no, my, I think my resolution is just to I promise to myself to achieve my goals this year more than anything else because it's easy to say you want to do something. Um, so quit this job is basically what so he's what saying. What are your goals? <laughs> what are your goals then? Well, I mean, this year I want to I wanna buy a house and I want to have a kid. So those oh. are my two things I see that I want to do. And wow. like me and my wife have been saying this for years and years, like we started making some moves towards it, but never actually kind of like actually raised enough money to buy one or do anything else. There's always something that gets in the way. So this year, those are the two goals we want to have. Great. Like, well, so, good luck yeah, with that. That you. sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of am your child already, though. You know, you kind of look after me as I'm drunk <laughs> at a bar. You know, it kind of feels like we already have this. That was this. training. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. training for the real thing. Yeah. Both bold, screaming. Exactly. Uh, small men. This is, is going to be... Well, Bill, thanks so much again uh, for coming in. Uh, we do thanks appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, once uh, 2020 rolls around, uh, we're going to have you back on again. You know, just every single year. It's, Sounds uh, good. Clockwork. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Everybody, enjoy the, enjoy the weekend.